This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you on this beautiful Sunday morning. And they are exactly right on uh, the video and what Crystal said up here earlier today begins our annual highly anticipated 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to help explain some of that to you here in just a minute, but I would be remiss if I didn't say today is somewhat of a special day uh, because on this weekend, eight years ago, our church had its very first service. So happy eighth birthday, everybody. So a pretty, pretty incredible thing to see how God uh, continues to bless and uh, bless our families and bring us all together into a cafeteria. You know, it's just amazing how God does what he does. And so happy birthday. You know, in, in those eight years, we've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting for eight years. And some of you have been here since the very first day of our church, and we're even on the, the launch team. Is there anybody, was anybody here day number one? You were here day number one, and y'all are the crazy ones. Y'all are here day number one. You've been here that long. So glad. Uh, it's, there were some days where we would do 20 days of prayer and fasting, and, it, and we had a little bitty church office off Kitty Hawk Road in Universal City for a while, and, and it, it'd be me and like three, four, five people every day at 6 a.m., and we'd gather together in a little circle and pray, and uh, and then it grew, and then we did some online stuff, and, and now we've really dedicated our time and our staff's time uh, to providing resources for you instead of getting all of us to drive 20 minutes to go pray together for an hour. We've just decided to put our time into the resources. So the resource page is huge, has all kinds of things on there for you. And so you can check out the testimonies on the website. It's, all, it's incredible to see what God has done. You know, even when we know prayer and we know scripture and we, we know that fasting are complete game changers for our lives spiritually. We know that these things are uh, incredible means and, and highways to miracles. And we, we know this about God's word, even when we know that the only way to receive what you and I desperately want in our lives is through God's word and through prayer and through fasting, even when we know that's the case, isn't it still the truth that we can find it difficult to make it a priority day in and day out. It's difficult to make prayer and reading scripture and fasting a priority sometimes. When I was a kid, um, I did the VBS circuit. What do I mean by that? It was like free childcare. So every week, my parents would put me in a different VBS, and and I went to this little bitty Christian school uh, called Permian Basin Christian School, and I and we, we had lots of scripture. Um, you, know, you know, around and in our home, and we were church kids, so we, we heard it a lot. And even learning a lot of God's word and, and reciting scripture, there are still some scriptures that I remember that are burned into my brain, that are burned into my heart. And there's even some pledges that I remember, just like there's a pledge of allegiance to the American flag and, and the Texas flag, there's a pledge to the Bible. Did you know that? And I remember quoting this every day at our little chapel and then at VBS. It's, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. 
And I remember they'd hold up at our little Christian school. They'd hold up their giant, it was a King James only version school. They'd hold up their giant honking King James only Bible and they would threaten you with it while you pledged to it. Um, And I've already been through all the therapy, I'm good now. But I just remember, I remember that pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, not my opinion. We could stop the pledge right there and it's already completely countercultural in today's society. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, not a history book. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, not my feelings. I'll make it a light unto my path, not what peer-to-peer mentoring says. And I will hide its words in my heart, in the deepest part of me, that I might not sin against God. That's a lot weightier when we start to like slow it down, dig into it a little bit. Since that time, I must admit, even though I know the pledge of the Bible and I've got a lot of scriptures memorized since that, I've been there. I've had to regularly renew my commitment to prayer. Anybody else been there? I've had to regularly renew my commitment to fasting and to scripture reading. I've had to consistently renew my devotion to making God's word the center of my life. And although I'm a pastor, I must conquer the same struggles that all of you face. I'm no different than you. I just got here first. There's still the same struggles, including the temptation to make my life so busy that I unintentionally neglect the daily reading and prioritization of God's word. Time and time again, though, I've spoken to my flesh and I've commanded it to get back in line and I've deliberately and purposefully had seasons and and more often than not, praise the Lord, that I have made God's word the center of my existence. And today I want to dive into a few things that help me do that to give you some successful things, to, some successful things that you can put into your life that'll help you start 21 days of prayer and fasting off in the right way. So what is 21 days of prayer and fasting and why don't we do 21 days of prayer and feasting? That's in August. So let's look at this. 21 days of prayer is a, a spiritual treadmill, if you will. 21 days of prayer is all about giving God our first and our best, not our seconds and our worst. It's about training our soul, our mind, our body, and our spirit to prioritize God above all else. And I know that some of you, your birthdays are in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting every year. And you've had lots of broccoli with candles on top. I know. Proud of you. However, why do we do this? Here's the bottom line. Our collective goal as a church, to create a lifestyle of prayer that enables us to hear God. That is the goal, to create a lifestyle of prayer. Let's read this out loud together, starting with to create. One, two, ready, read. To create a lifestyle of prayer that enables us to hear God. Now, what is the subversive communication to this slide? Most of us have a lifestyle that silences or deafens the voice of God in our life. Most of us have a lifestyle that God is speaking, you just can't hear him. And so we've got to create a lifestyle of prayer 
that enables us to hear God. In other words, it's, a, it's important to us. enjoyable. Pastors, that your prayer life becomes more natural, more effective, and more enjoyable. We say it this way around here too. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. Isn't that the truth? But the, this has not been true. A lot of us, including me and a lot of times in my life, this has not been true. What has been true, let me read to you the statement that has been true for me more often than I'd like to admit. Prayer is my last resort only after I've tried everything I can to make something happen. Anybody relate to that or is it just yours truly? I mean, I think that there's a lot of truth in that. Like we go to Google before God every time. We, we, we are not asking God for direction. We're, we're calculating the risk. So the question has to be asked, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why, why if we know that the Bible is, is chock full of scripture and life, and did you know that the Bible even has verses in it that say, if the word of God is in your heart, your physical body begins to be healed. We've tried all the fad diets. Why don't we try the first one? The only one that works. There's like, there's the Bible. When we get scripture and God's word into our life, everything begins to get in line. It's the best chiropractor you've ever been to. Things begin to line up. When the, even though we know that, why do we still do everything we can first before we talk to God first? Why do we try to do it in our own power over and over and over again? To me, when I was studying for this a few weeks ago and I was just trying to think through it for us, I, the only word that kept coming up, the only statement that kept coming up in my heart was, it's just a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust. It's, it's, I, I trust my ability to research and do a cost-benefit analysis more than I trust God to be God. It's our prayer that in these next few weeks, you'll experience God in a deep and a profound way that forever alters the trajectory of your family tree. Trusting him becoming automatic when you're so close to him. Now, foundationally, I just gave you the, the bottom line answer. Foundationally, that is true, that trusting ourselves and not God is the main reason we don't pray. Because if we trust God, if we didn't, if we trusted God, then we would go to him first, but we trust ourselves, so we go to us first. And then we go to our friends second. And then maybe when we don't feel like we're getting what we need, then we ask God. But there are some other legitimate and practical reasons why we don't pray. I came up with a list of five. I'm sure there's more. If you've got more, I would love to, to hear them. Please let me know. But number one is you don't know how to pray. One of the number one reasons why we don't know how to pray is because, or we don't pray is because we don't know how to pray. Some of you are recovering Catholics and the dude in the box prayed for you. You rubbed a couple of beads and you were good. And it didn't work for you because it's tradition, not spirituality. And I wonder if you and I at some point could learn how to pray. There's no thee before thou, after thine. None of those rules are true. There's, there's, there's no specific way to pray. The New Testament gets to the heart of the matter in prayer, not the style. And so you've not been taught how to pray. 
And honestly, as a pastor, let me repent for everyone in my profession that people have not been taught how to pray or how to read the Bible because that doesn't grow churches fast enough. Entertainment and events do. So we'll fly the preacher in a helicopter to drop eggs on your head for Easter. We'll, we'll literally repel people from the ceilings in, an, in a Christmas presentation with laser lights before you learn how to read the Bible. Now, when I'm doing a budget benefit analysis for those things, helicopters ain't cheap to rent. Now, I wonder if this church could learn how to pray that when we get on our knees and we say, in the name of Jesus, hell goes, ah, crap. They're at it again. That church in a cafeteria is at it again. You, demon, already gave them a piece of land and you should have fought harder. Now they learn how to pray. I wonder what your families would look like. If you knew the Bible, what would your heart look like? What would your physical body feel like? What would your relationships look like? What would your marriage look like? We gotta learn how to pray. I'm gonna help you with that a little bit. The second thing, this one's for me. I wrote it down because I thought you would like to commiserate, is I get bored. I get distracted. Like I'll sit down to pray, and then in my mind I hear, da-da-da, da-da-da. Who knows what that sound is? It's the ESPN app. You guys all know, you got the demon too. We all need deliverance. I get bored or distracted. I get bored. I, I, I wake up thinking about who the new speaker of the house might be or isn't. I, get, I, I, I wake up wondering about certain stats of a certain player. I, I, I wake up wondering about, man, all these things I do and all these phone calls and all these emails and my mind starts to race the moment my eyes open and it's difficult for Landon to not get distracted or bored. And so when I tried praying by cuddling up and getting a candle and singing Kumbaya, I fell back asleep. It doesn't work for me. If that works for you and you connect to God with incense sticks and, you know, sackcloth and praying in Hebrew, do it. Whatever you need to do. It doesn't work for Landon. I've got to walk around or go for a run or I have to literally write down every word of my prayer. I've learned what works for me. You got to figure it out for you to not get distracted or bored. Write it. And since we know prayer is just talking to God and hearing God, then let's write it down. The book of Psalms is, every, is, is just a book of written prayers. Write them down. And the third thing was, I would think that my requests were too small for God, like God didn't care. Like, and then, or what the flip side is, it's not on the screen, but what if, no, that's too big. That's too big. Like, I, I began to think that my requests were either too small or too big. But God is just, God very much cares about that problem you're having at work. God very much cares about that thing in your physical body that's paining you. He cares. Nothing is too small and nothing them to God. The fourth thing was, is we're not sure our prayers are going to make a difference. Because you're like, who am I to talk to God? Like, why, why would I pray? Like, what, why would I talk to God? It's not like it's going to change anything. It's not, it's not like something's going to happen. I've heard people pray all the time and, and nothing changes. Well, actually, I would say to you that people pray all the time, but just what the answer that was given wasn't the one you wanted most of the time. What about number five? Is, this is a big one. We're afraid 
of what God's actually going to say when we do pray. It's like the kid not wanting to ask mom and dad to do something, so they just kind of sneakily do it because they already know what the answer is going to be. You and I kind of approach God like that a little bit. We're afraid of what God's going to say. So you're praying for this promotion that you know is going to take you out of church, out of small group, and you're not going to see your kids four nights a week, but you're afraid to ask God about it because you don't want him to say no. So we, pray, we don't want to pray things that are our will because we don't want God's honest answer because we're trying to make it happen ourselves. Those are the only five that I came up with for today. You might have more. Email me if you do. I'd love to see them. But let's look at what prayer actually is and what prayer actually is not. Let's start with the is not list. That's more fun. Start off with the is not list. Prayer is not a feeling. Prayer is not a feeling. I don't, I don't know of anybody who wakes up in the morning and their alarm goes off and they're like, oh boy, it's prayer time. And they get up and run down the stairs and they, they make the coffee and they sit down and pray in tongues for 95 minutes. I don't know that person. You know why? Because they don't exist. The person's not alive. You know what I do know is when my alarm goes off and I'm walking down the stairs, I don't know if it's the stairs creaking or my body creaking, but something's creaking. <laughs> and I get down there, things keep creaking. I, take, I drink a cup of coffee. God still ain't awake yet, so I drink another one. Then he's a little bit awake, or I'm a little bit awake. By then, the dog needs to go out again. You know, it's like, it's, it's like the, we just, these are real life things, aren't they? And the people that I have met, they're like, I just can't wait to get up in the morning and lay on my face before the Almighty. I'm like, you also probably have a tambourine, so we're already done. We're already done. Blow a shofar in my church, you're gone. I'm just saying, don't be weirdo. Like there's, there's a real life stuff that happens. Let's just be honest about it. Sometimes prayer is hard to do. Sometimes sitting there having a conversation with somebody who's not talking to you at that moment yet, you don't feel like doing that sometimes. Prayer's not a feeling, though. It's a choice. Some days I don't feel like being a parent. But they don't leave. They keep coming home. I don't get that choice. We don't always feel like being married. But you made a decision. I don't always feel like being a pastor. But y'all keep coming back, and I keep coming back. I don't always feel like going to the gym and having some lady yell at me on a microphone for an hour. But there's a decision that was made for my family tree and my feelings are irrelevant in the moment. Prayer's not a feeling. If I want Bradley Jones to know how to pray over my grandchildren, what I'm doing right now matters for that. It's an important thing. Prayer's not a feeling. Number two, prayer is not begging, pleading, or convincing, or twisting God's arm. It's not like God's like, okay, all right, okay, if you pray for three and a half more minutes and do a little bit of it in tongues, then I'll go, ooh, I got you. Not twisting God's arm. If we're praying according to his will, we're not, who are we trying to freak out? We just align ourselves with God. It's not mystical. It's values. It's doctrine. It's truth. 
Number three, prayer's not pushing God to our point of view. Four, prayer's not expecting God to carry out my decisions. And that's a difficult one for me, to be honest with you. Because it's hard to make decisions sometimes when you feel like God is silent or something's unclear, isn't it? Like, I don't know what to do. And I had somebody tell me, we operate on green lights, not red lights. What's the last green light God gave you? What's the last green light God gave you? And that's all, to be honest, that's the reason why Kelly and I stayed in San Antonio and didn't take that church job in Nevada. Because the last, the last green light God gave us was to move here in 2007. He never told us to leave. And, and, I, and I wonder... If we can, even when, Brad, even when Levi's baseball coach texts me on Thursday, do you want to be my assistant coach? My immediate thing was like, heck yeah, we're going to wipe the floor with all those other kids. I was like immediately like, we're going to teach them. I didn't know you can throw elbows, elbows in baseball. We're going to teach them how? When the ump ain't looking, bam. You know, I'm like, we're going to handle this league. It's wreck. I guess I need to calm down. But I began to look at the commitment based upon my decisions and values, and I had to tell them no. I wouldn't be good for you or my kids or our church if I said yes to that commitment, as fun as it looks. And I think you and I have got to start looking at things through the lenses of his will, not what we want. Prayer is not an activity that's just limited to a segment of your day. It's an all-day conversation. Number six, prayer is not giving God instructions to follow. He doesn't need our help. Prayer is not vain repetition. Prayer is not just reciting something that was in a book. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. And a lot of us feel like we have to wow God with our prayer. That's not true. So what is prayer? Prayer is addressing and hearing from God. Some of us address God and hear God through writing. Some of us address God and hear God through talking out loud. Some of us address God and hear God through song and then speaking to him. I've, heard, I've seen some beautiful prayers written that were actually poetry. We're not all created the same, so why would we pray the same? Like we, we've got to, we got to understand prayer is simply addressing God and hearing from God. It's communication with the Almighty. I mean, we have a direct line of communication with the only one who created the entire universe. And we get to do it anytime we want. You don't have to set an appointment, you just go. It's communication. Prayer is a personal conversation. This is the best definition I could write for you. I felt like it was helpful to me, so I gave it to you. Prayer is a personal conversation with God in casual, informal speech that acknowledges our total dependence on him for resources and guidance. My great-grandma, my Gigi, always said, if you make a decision, Landon, you didn't ask God, it's already the wrong one. Don't ask him to bless your mistake. Yes, ma'am. Man, prayer is a personal conversation with God. If, if you're a country bumpkin, just keep talking to God like that. Don't start talking British when you talk to God. I don't know why the spirit of Simon Cowell comes over people when they get in their prayer closet. It's weird. Just talk to God. 
The way God talks to me is like, Landon, what the heck are you doing? I don't know. He just talks to me like I talk. When we found the church's land, I'm driving down the interstate. I literally heard, turn right here. I don't want to turn there. Turn right here. I don't want to turn there. Turn! (laughs) Then there's a phone number on the land. I I wonder, like, isn't, isn't that just such a beautiful thing that God is that personal, that he speaks to you in a way that you can hear? Isn't that cool? I I think that's so beautiful. It's a personal conversation. It's informal. And it acknowledges our total and complete dependence on him for everything. True prayer is what happens when our will is aligned with the will of God. And we pray that accordingly. It's true prayer. Prayer is our connection to heaven and heaven's connection to us. Very simply, your prayers do not impress God. And your prayers are not a genie in a bottle. God is not a cosmic sugar daddy going to give you everything you need. When we pray in alignment with his word and his will, but we can't pray in alignment with his word and his will if we don't know what is in his word so we can know his will. So when our lives are out of whack, it's usually something we've missed. Look at 1 John 5. This is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. Say confidently. Say confidence. We have an approaching God. It doesn't matter if I'm in like on a Zoom call. Like the other day I was on a Zoom call and it was with like a land developer and an engineer and someone from the city of shirts and text dot. And then Bradley just walks in in his underwear and he's painted himself like a warrior and he's got an Iron Man mask on. They all saw it. And... That's confidence. (laughs) It's his prayer wardrobe. I don't know. It's his confidence. Because he knows I'm going to talk to him. And he knows he's my kid. So he just blows into the room like a naked warrior Iron Man. (laughs) We got to have confidence in approaching God because he's our father. That if we ask how much? Anything. According to what? Your feelings? His will. Then he hears. If my children ask me, if Kaylin says, Dad, can I go to the mall unsupervised with a bunch of people you don't know and they're all boys? (laughs) Man, I got hot in here all of a sudden. I'm just, I'm making myself mad up in here. I'm so mad right now. Is that according to my will? No, it's not. I don't hear you, Caitlin. You ain't asking nothing according to daddy's will right now. You're full of the devil. That's what you're full of. If we ask anything according to his will, his will, his will. So you and I must live to please God, not asking God to please us. Prayer is not an attempt to please him. Prayer is not a way to manipulate God. It's a lifestyle that pleases God. The actual act of prayer doesn't please God. It's you involved in the prayer he's after. It's a relationship with God is cultivated in that secret place. Prayer is about connection, not coercion. 
So here's how to be successful as we land the plane today on 21 days of prayer and fasting. Look at Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning. Let's just read this together. One, two, ready, read. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. <laughs> Let me tell you the context here. He's at Simeon's house. They just got done doing a bunch of preaching. And Eastern society is way different than Western society. I don't know about you, but I like my privacy. I'm angry that City Assurance won't let me build an eight-foot fence. I don't want nobody looking in my backyard because there's a walking trail behind my house and everybody's always looking at me when I'm pouring cereal. It's weird. <laughs> so y'all stop it. You live in my neighborhood. Just kidding. We like our plot lines and we like our fences and our privacy hedges. But in Eastern society, mom and dad live there, the kids live there, grandma and grandpa both sides, great-grandma, great-grandpa on both sides, a couple of cousins, maybe their friends that need some help are all in one place. Most of the time, they all slept in the same room. Jesus is at Simeon's house, and that's the scenario. There was no Airbnb. He's at Simeon's house. All the people there, he got up early. Bottom line, Jesus found a way to prioritize God despite the circumstance he was in in the moment. So let's look at this. Prayer, bottom line, prayer is most effective when it isn't something we do every now and then, but when it's a lifestyle. So Jesus had cultivated this lifestyle that it didn't matter if he was at Simeon's house or if he was in Nazareth or if he was back home with Mama Mary, he cultivated a lifestyle of prayer. So let me help you with a few things. Number one, you gotta have a time and a place. You gotta have a time and a place. If you say, you know what, I'm gonna bring my Bible to work and if I got a few minutes, you're never going to have a few minutes. If you say, I'm going to wait and pray in the car, that's where Landon has to wrestle with his salvation the most, is in the vehicle. It's not a good idea for me to try to connect to God when I'm yelling at people with a church bumper sticker on my truck. <laughs> Landon knows I'm not going to get close to God in this moment. I'm just trying to stay saved in this moment. Like, I'm not going to hear from God. They need to hear me. I ain't going to hear from God. You got to know yourself. Being in the car in the seventh largest city in the United States is not a solitary place. It's a loud place, an angry place. Have a time and a place. A designated time, a designated place. Jesus got up early in the morning. We got to give God our first and our best. We're all the same species. Scientifically, you are at your best the first three hours of the day. It's science. It's real. You can't get around. No, then I'm better at night. No, you're more distracted at night. You're just caffeinated at night when you shouldn't be. You're not better at night. We, our best is in the morning. Our most attention is given to God when we are first awake. And have a specific place. Have a place. And maybe switch it up a little bit. I don't drive the same way to work every day. I get bored. I told y'all, I get bored. So I found all these back roads and shirts and it takes me longer sometimes and I found some funny things on my way to work. Weird looking little neighborhoods with all kinds of weird stuff. This guy has like this giant 10 point buck statue in his front yard chained to a tree. It's hilarious. You miss all these things if you just get on autopilot. So it's funny, I'll send you his address. But there's, 
Why would you do that? It's so weird. I wonder, if you don't have a time and you don't have a place, how do you expect God to meet you there? Have a time, have a place, prioritize God. Lane, this is so simple, then do it. Every day. A time and a place. Even when you go on vacation, you don't take a vacation from talking to God. You might wake up a couple hours later, but you still got a time and you still got a place. My Bible is the first thing that goes in my suitcase because I know if it isn't, I'll find another pair of pants to take its place and I need it in there first. Do whatever you can to prioritize God, time and a place. Number two, you gotta have a plan. If you wake up and you creak down the stairs or the stairs creak when you go down, whatever your age is, and you get down, you get your coffee, If you don't have a plan, you're just going to sit there and go, all right, so what are we doing? Every day with God shouldn't be like a blind date. It's weird. Have a plan. Have a plan. Have a devotional. And we've got a few things for you. Um, This book is in the back of the room. It's free to you. If you download the Church Center app and join the 21 Days of Prayer group, which I think like 30-something people in first service joined that group. There's like about 140, 150-something of y'all in that group already, which is really cool. A lot of people praying together for the next 21 days. Download that app and show them at the back of the room that you downloaded it. They'll give you this free book because we want to make sure we're all doing this together. Have a plan. This is a 21-day plan. And, and there's some, some devotionals that I'll, I'll read over and over every year. You find out what works for you, but find a plan. And also the YouVersion Bible app. Download the YouVersion Bible app. It's super simple to use. There's a plans button down at the bottom, and there are thousands of devotional plans on there to follow. And you can even tag some of your friends and do it together. Whatever works for you, have a plan. And guess what? Your plans aren't always going to work. Find a different plan. Try a different plan. It's okay. Have a plan. And the last one is have a proper focus. Have a proper focus. This isn't going to be easy. This isn't going to change everything about your life in one day or even 21 days. You and I have spent decades of a life without prayer. It's not going to magically change in three weeks. So it's going to take some time. We mentioned this last week, I believe, but I'll mention it again. Did you know that the Bible is very clear about what a day is to God? A day, he said, is evening and morning, not morning and evening. The day to God, the 24-hour day that he instituted, the 24-hour day actually begins at night. So the way God sees a day, it starts when the sun goes down. So the way you end tonight, the way you end Sunday is how you begin Monday. If you end Sunday by drinking a bunch of coffee at seven o'clock and then you wonder why you can't sleep and then you wake up sluggish on Monday, you drink more coffee and then you get to the middle of the day, you're sluggish again and you're angry and you're hangry because you miss lunch and you drink more coffee, not only are you throwing more acid into your stomach, but you're mad at everyone. All because of how you slept Sunday. How you started the evening determines the next morning. So now that we've got a spiritual framework on how God sees a day, let's stop binging blue light Netflix at night and let's give God our best before we even go to bed. And I promise you, you won't ever go back to normal. You won't ever go back to normal. I can tell a huge difference when the Cowboys are playing the late game. I'm really tired the next day because I'm up way too late watching TV. It's an ever once in a while sacrifice, okay? 
But we're talking about every day of your life. Some of you, you're blowing through these series in a week. And these addictions have got to stop in order for you to hear God. So I wonder if you and I could change our, you know why? Because our family trees depend on this. Your children knowing about God depends on the rhythms you set as an adult today. And moms and dads, can I be very honest with you? The things that my kids come home asking me questions about, they're seven, nine, and 11. My daughter's gonna be in junior high next year. The things that she already comes home talking about, questions that my nine-year-old son is asking me. Mom and dad keep a kid off drugs. I mean, I never stick our head in the spiritual sand. The days of dare to keep a kid off drugs, I mean, I never thought we'd long for those days again. It's way worse now. When my daughter's coming home asking if there's 74 genders, it's way worse now. See guys, you and I can't afford to be lazy about our spirituality anymore because your great-grandchildren making heaven their home and your great-grandchildren knowing Jesus depend on you waking up at five, not nine. Even five, not six. Maybe it's six, not seven. Whatever it is, the stakes are too high. The devil's got a plan and a time and a place and a focus. We need to have a time a place, a plan, and a focus. A focus of knowing God and hearing God. All these questions my children are asking, me and Kelly, we're, we're having to go to God and say, what do we tell them? Besides the obvious, like what do, we, what do we tell them? How do we disciple our children through this onslaught? What do I tell my daughter when she comes home crying because she's being bullied because she's the only kid in her class without a cell phone? What do I say to her? What, these are things that we take to God in prayer, everybody. These are the things that you can't miss a day because God wants to tell you the answer that morning. He wants to show you something in his word that morning. Come creaking down the stairs with expectation that God's gonna meet you in that moment because he's down there waiting on you. Give yourself grace when you miss a morning or you oversleep. Get yourself an alarm clock, put it across the room. I wake up with pianos and birds because I want to wake up happy. Kelly wakes up like the United States is storming Normandy. She's got uh, her, old, her old alarm clock from when she was in elementary school. She still uses. And yes, it's from Radio Shack. I know you were wondering. You find what works for you. Just make it work. And don't stop finding a way to make it work. Don't give up on this like it's a South Beach diet. This is your spirituality. Don't give up on it. This is not a fad. This is not Atkins. Don't give up on it. This is real life and this is forever. Give God your best. Get a time and a place and a focus and a plan. We already gave you the next three weeks of a plan. Let's all do it together. This starts today, so do this tonight, and then start day two in the morning. And I promise you, I promise, you might have some testimonies you're wanting on the screen next year. Let's just see what God does. Everybody stand to your feet.
Thanks for giving me a couple more minutes of your time. Uh, we're gonna do our response time here. And some of you, this is new to you and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Today's that day for you, we believe. You're not here by accident. We don't believe in accidents at the... So we believe that God brought you here on, here on purpose. Somebody say amen to that. And so we believe that God brought you here on purpose to hear a word that was designed by God for you on purpose so your life could live with purpose. Allow God to speak to you today. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, today's the day on your connection card, there's a box that says, I made a fresh start with God today. Check that box, bring it down to a prayer partner and say, I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. They will pray a prayer of faith with you and your, your last name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and your family will be forever changed because of a bold decision you made today. Allow God to, to speak to you for those that are responding. Let's come to God with repentance today, can we? Let's start out this fast with repentance. Lynn, what do you repent for? Let's repent for our indifference towards prayer, our indifference towards the Bible, maybe some laziness. Let's repent of it. The word repentance in Greek literally means just to change your mind, to change your thinking. So let's stop thinking about this as this, oh, I gotta do this to be a Christian. And let's think of it as a lifeline for ourselves. The only way to have true life. Because if not, every other righteousness you create is in and of yourself and that's self-righteousness. Let's allow God to bring, Jesus to make us righteous, which means just put us in right relationship with God. Let's allow him to do that. So if you want to repent of anything, and don't be scared, guys. This is the safest place in the world for you right now to make these decisions. Come down front and repent. Come down front and, and be an open book and allow some dedicated, faith-filled people to pray with you. Pray the prayer of faith with you for salvation. Whatever your faith goals are, I've got some big faith goals for our church's land, for that future building. I've got some big faith goals for that. And I'm praying for it. But my number one goal is to get to know God and hear Him. I got some big faith goals for my kids and for our finances and for our family. But my number one goal is to know God and hear Him. So if you need to come down and repent of maybe treating God like a genie, if you need to come down and repent of being your own voice of reason, whatever it is, start this 21 days off of prayer by giving God all of you. You won't regret it. So as I'm praying, the prayer partners can go ahead and come down. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord right now and give Him our best in this moment. Father, we surrender completely to You. And in these next couple of moments, as we come receive prayer, as we take communion, as we worship, may our lives be laid down as an offering. God, we don't want to be our own God. We're tired of trying to do this on our own. Forgive us of self-righteousness and laziness and indifference. And we give our lives 100% to you for you created us. And Lord, we ask that you would speak. And God, more than that, would we organize our lives and our ears to be able to hear you when you do. And in this moment, we lay our lives down in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to respond. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.